Welcome to the Homestand Leafs podcast powered by Sports Interaction Sportsbook and Casino, your homegrown sportsbook. Bet local. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney. We'll tell you why Sheldon Keith needs to settle down with the referees. Well, on today's show, the streak is over, but it's not time to overreact. Why Riley and Brody should never play together again. Why Keith was ejected. And an apology to Ryan Reeves. What a fourth line, by the way, Justin Pooney. I'm Albert Vartanian. He's Justin Pooney. And this is Homestand Leaps. The win streak is over, Justin Pooney. Mm-hmm. The Leafs, they lose 6-2 on home ice against the Vegas Golden Knights. And you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to overreact. Oh. This is not an overreaction Wednesday, Justin Pooney. But if you talk to people throughout Leafland, massive overreaction. The old mm. Leafs are back. Lots of defensive <laughs> breakdowns. Riley and Brody back together. Jeez. Sheldon Keefe got ejected. It's all falling apart with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I say that in jest. I'm only kidding. But they did lose 6-2 to the Vegas Golden Knights. Not the best performance considering what we've seen over the past seven games. This team is rolling. They found a, a different style of play, another mm. gear. But it didn't happen last night against the Vegas Golden Knights. The Golden Knights that we're used to seeing showed up, and they were pissed off, I think, after that loss against uh, the Leafs just a couple days ago. Yeah, Albert, look, the biggest thing that I took from this game wasn't the <clears throat> the, the, the losing streak being snapped because that was going to come to an end. All good things must come to an end at yes. some point in time. Um, the championship mentality of the Vegas Golden Knights. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. The Knights get up, score two quick goals. You know, then they allow. You know, late in the third, Bertuzzi scores off that fluky goal. But what happens right after that? They bounce back and they score right to end the period, the third period. Yeah. Uh, sorry, excuse me, the, sec- the second period. And that was basically the backbreaker there because the Leafs had momentum, and then Vegas scores uh, the William Carlson goal, which John Tavares coughs the puck up, and then Austin Matthews again. Not being hard on the on the guy on the other team, not sticking to his man, allows him to get a clear shot in the slot, and he puts it behind uh, Ilya Samsonov, and then they score again. They scored three unanswered goals. Uh, sorry, two unanswered goals after that, and it was pretty much a wrap. Um, defensive miscues. That's the other thing too. You, you mentioned when you uh, teed this up. All, three of the four goals were just bad, bad defensive mishaps. Right, like the first goal, the Barbashev goal. That's Morgan Riley's responsibility. That's the left winger. Morgan Riley has to understand that, back up. But also, like we talked about it before we went on air, why is nobody on the bench communicating? Or even if they are communicating, why is it Morgan Riley listening? Now that's another thing that's hard to communicate. Well, they were just the both. Him and Brody were puck watching that whole they time. They were. They were. Like, Barbashev had a, a, lot clear, Leafs, a clear cut breakaway from, like, center ice onward, right? Yeah. Made a nice move and scored. Then we have the Morelli goal where, again, Max Domi, what are you doing? Make it hard for the guy to get in front of the net. Or at least try to impede him, right? Morelli was standing in front of the net, wide open, nobody around him, had a clear lane to tip the puck into the back of the net. And then, like I mentioned, the Carlson goal. Tavares gives the puck up, and then what happens? Matthews doesn't close the gap on his man at all, and he has a clear shot to the back of the net. When I look at the Vegas Golden Knights, um, I see a mentality and a willingness that the Leafs don't have. There's levels to this. You see how they're missing their two best players, Albert. There's still no Eichel. There's still no Mark Stone, right? But yet, they came out tonight, sorry, last night, and they showed the Leafs what they were all about. The way this team forechecks, have you, did you, I, I noticed that a lot during the game yesterday, just to how hard and aggressive they get on the forecheck. They cause puck turnovers. They, 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 they have offensive zone time. And look, 
Aiden Hill has emerged as a true number one goalie after last year. Um, they have all the the ingredients to be a successful team, and they have guys that step up when it matters the most. And I think that was to me was the biggest difference that I noticed in the game yesterday was just how well Vegas played and how when they play like that, you see, okay, yeah, this is a Stanley Cup caliber team. And when the Leafs when they don't play to their 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 up to snuff like this. This team looks like they don't belong in the same league as the Vegas Golden Knights whatsoever. Yeah, it, it was the classic game after a Western road trip, which yeah. I don't understand. You just notice. Like, any time a team is coming off a, a longish road trip, mm-hmm. they're probably losing that home game yeah. for whatever reason. But they were completely outplayed, and you broke it down pretty well there. It was all defensive breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that the Tavares giveaway in his own zone, that was the backbreaker because right. that's coming off the Bertuzzi goal. They got some momentum nearing the end of the period, and he gives it away, and his reaction was great. He wanted to break his stick over the crossbar. He didn't, and then skated to the bench and broke his stick out of frustration, and he was asked about it after the game, and this is what he had to say. Oh, that was just an equipment issue. I'm physically, I'm great. Equi- equipment issue, Justin Mooney. <laughs> I love that response. I'm not ragging on the guy, but it's hilarious. You know what that answer is? That answer is, hey, you know what that means, fuck you. Don't ask me that question. No, that, it doesn't. That, that's what Tavares is saying. Obviously, no, he, he goes, what happened on the bench? What do you think happened? I gave away the puck. I, I don't they think... scored. I'm pissed off. I broke my stick. I don't think Tavares has it in him to say F you to anybody. That's his way of saying yeah, F you to the yes. reporter. Sure, sure, sure. Anyway, but... I just thought that was a funny clip to play because of, uh, <laughs> it, obviously, it's not an equipment issue. Maybe it was. I mean, maybe on his backhand, he felt the stick was going to break. Yeah, no. Just I... not a good play. It was, it was defensive breakdowns. Um, it was coming off, obviously, a road trip. I'm, just, mm. I'm not trying to make excuses, but this is what happened. Um, and Vegas just played so much better. Mm-hmm. They, they out-hit the Leafs. They blocked more shots than they did in the last game when the Leafs beat them. And they gave them nothing in the center of the ice. Nothing at all. Absolutely. Whenever they tried to crash the net, they were bodied. They moved everything to the walls. I think Vegas, they knew exactly what they wanted to do and never really let the Leafs in there. And the Leafs only got one power play. And the power play is humming right now. If you only get one, you're not going to get many chances to score based on the way that they've been playing. So uh, I don't want to say a lot of things went against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just think they were completely outplayed. By exactly. Vegas. They were completely outplayed. Uh, Vegas outhit them, outshot them. Uh, they had, of course, more power play opportunities. But also, look, they won the block shot battle. We know how integral that was for the Leafs to win all those seven straight games. Yeah. They were, you know, sacrificing the body, you know, blocking shots. Uh, the Leafs had 13 giveaways, too, last night as well. You can't have that. Vegas only had five. I will say, I thought their first period, the Leafs were really hey, good. That, that was a very, I thought it was another good first period from the Toronto Maple Leafs. They, the, the first minute, what happened? The Bertuzzi, Domi, Nilana, what happened? They almost scored. Domi had the puck right at... Uh, I think it was Bertuzzi passed it across Crease and Domi uh, yeah, hit, hit the right. pad or whatever, it. right? Like it was, they got off to a very hot start. Uh, you know, Reeves had a chance in the first period as well. He was chugging hard yesterday. He was skating yeah, well. Yeah, we have um, to show some love. To but people. I we'll think when that. you look at this situation with the Leafs and you look at that game, yes, it was the first game after a long Western road trip. It was the first game. Um, you know, back home after they, they're in the middle of a seven-game winning streak. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's singing their coming. praises. You knew it was going to happen. And Vegas, what did I say on Monday's pod? They're coming in, and they were pissed off at the way Toronto played. Right. Put up seven goals on them at home ice. So Vegas returns the favor, puts up six on them. Right? Uh, and, and I believe when I look at the Leafs, look, they'll be fine. Right? Uh, I believe that Vegas is just such a good team, and they know how to play very good road games. They know how to go on the road to a hostile environment and win important games. This is an important game for them because, look, they're still fighting. Their Pacific Division is out of the question for them. They're not going to catch Vancouver for the Pacific. But that home ice battle between them and the Edmonton Oilers for the first round is something that they got to worry about. Yeah. Plus, 
And I and it mentioned on on the broadcast yesterday, um, where now they have you know stones on LTIR and they have available money now. This team's always aggressive, right? They're always going for it. They always put their name in the middle of the things. And I think when I look at the Vegas Golden Knights, I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? The Vegas Golden Knights are such a progressive franchise where they are always trying to find ways to make themselves better, always keep themselves in the middle of things, try to improve their team. Always, where but we now. see. Ever since they've really been in the league, Albert, right? Ever since kind of that, that first year where they've been wheeling and dealing with all those picks. And then what happened? They bring in all these stars. They're in the, they're in the mix for every big-name player that you can mention that's ever available, right? And then I look at the Leafs, right? A team that has built this core through the draft and developed, right? But then they've kind of just stuck with it. They haven't found ways to, um, you know, be, you know, m- manipulate things and maneuver off things and try to get better. Um, they're, they're they're sticking with their guys, whatever. I think Vegas, look, they made hard decisions. They've got rid of Pacioretty. They got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury. They've got rid of Leonard. They've made these very difficult moves, almost cutthroat moves to stay relevant and stay good. And that's another thing that I know is kind of an off-ice situation between these two franchises where that's how you win. You have to make difficult decisions. You have to make tough decisions. You have to be able to move off a, a big piece of your franchise to try to make yourself better and more sustainable. But that's something, again, I just want to bring up that I've thought about uh, as the game was going yeah. along, comparing they, they, both franchises. They do that better than probably any other team in the NHL. Yes. Yeah, McCrimmon, they just they just want to win, and they know exactly what mm-hmm. to do. They don't care about first-round picks. Whatever it takes to win, and you got to got to appreciate what they're doing right now. For the Toronto Maple Leafs, you have to look at this game as it's just a one-off, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it happens to every single team. Look what, what's going on with Vancouver. They've been amazing throughout this entire NHL season. Are they going to bounce back? Of course they will. The Oilers. These things happen. The Bruins. Like, the best teams, they lose a game and then they bounce back. They chalk it off as a one-off and mm-hmm. they go and they go and they go. And I think that's exactly what the Leafs need to do. If they want to be this, this new team with this new identity, this is how it goes. Listen, you had a bad night. Coming off a long road trip, yeah. you played a really good team who completely outplayed you. Now you got Arizona on Thursday night at home. You better be ready to go. And I think that's how the Leafs need to look at this uh, moving forward for the rest of the season because they're going to lose games. Yeah. This is it's not going to be one of these situations where they go on these tears like the Oilers. They're gonna, but if they can put together win streak after win streak mm-hmm. after win streak, then they're going to have a pretty good shot. You're going to lose games. Like you mentioned, this is going to happen. They're going to lose games, but it's how do you bounce back? How do you respond? Exactly. Right? So tomorrow against the Arizona Cubs. How do you bounce back in the first period? Do you come out really high-flying? Do you come out aggressive? Do you come out playing a solid game? That's what you hope so, right? You cannot, again, say what you will about Arizona, they've fallen off completely, but it's still an NHL caliber team, a team that's yeah. beaten the Leafs before in Toronto as well, right? I think that was last year. They beat Toronto at home as well. Buddy, they're 7-1 and one since turning into Arizona at Scotiabank. There you go. 7-1. Right? and There one. you go. There you go. Um, and I, again, it's losses are going to c- come up. They're not going to go perfect the rest of the season. They're, we're going to run the table and win every game. Yeah. But how do they bounce back, right? How right. do they uh, today or tomorrow at the morning skate practice, all of that, watch the tape, see how, just how glaring those defensive mishaps were. That's stuff that just shouldn't be happening, right? Again, it's coming a theme, Albert, just like – blatant breakaways that the Leafs are allowing, right? And again, it's not going to go in all the time. But again, you can't be giving up grade-A scoring chances like that all the time because come playoff time, it's going to nip you in the butt. Those teams make you, make you make pay, you man. They make you pay. Listen, Barbershop on the breakaway, pay. he's not the most prolific guy, but he can score. Yeah. Marshall Show can clearly score. Um, one thing that's clearly glaring, and it's a glaring need for the Toronto Maple Leafs, is a right shot defenseman. Yes. They went with six lefties last night because uh-huh. Lilligren was out of the lineup, and it showed. Yeah. Riley and Brody... We're horrible. We'll get mm-hmm. to that. But our next topic in the next segment has to be Sheldon Keefe getting ejected. I will say only one power play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. In terms of power play opportunities this season, they're near the bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. Make of that what you will. But that's one of the reasons I think Keefe was so pissed off last night. 
Homestand Leafs is powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook featuring custom same-game parlays and prop bets you won't find anywhere else. So why bet with one of those American companies that don't know anything about your teams, players, or games that matter to you? Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Bet local. All right, Sheldon Keefe, uh, something we don't see in the NHL quite often is a coach getting ejected. And I was trying to think, when was the last time a coach was ejected in the NHL? I think it was Jay Woodcroft when he was with the Oilers against the Canucks, right? Is that the last time? The first game of the season, right? Not at all if it was the first game of the season. I think this was near the end of Woodcroft's time with the Oilers. Uh, I'm trying to think. I was trying to look for like a list of coaches being ejected. I remember Cooper had I remember last year, I remember yes. last season. I remember getting I remember Woodcroft getting ejected. I just don't remember if it was the first game of the year or another subsequent game, but yeah. Vancouver, they were rocking the black jerseys. So whatever. Okay, yeah, it must have been like early it must have been early in the season, yeah. but not like Yeah, it was weird that he got that he got ejected. It's mm-hmm. so strange to see an NHL coach ejected because those refs, they take a lot of heat. But they I do. think with Sheldon Keefe, I think the refs have reached a point where they don't want to hear him anymore. Because he does this every single game. If you watch the Leafs, yeah. and we watch every game this season, he he's rides always hard. barking at the refs. Other coaches do do that, but I notice it more from Sheldon Keefe. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that they're just tired of it, and that's why he was ejected. Anyway, he was asked about it after the game, and here's his response. Take us through what led to your clearly So it's kind of tough to hear. So for our audio listeners, he was asked, he goes, at first he said, no, I'm not talking about it. Then he was asked again and he goes, nope, not going there. And he's clearly just not happy. While he's shaking his head. If you're going to talk about the refs in the NHL, you're probably dealing with fines and more issues. He didn't want to go there. But clearly, I think the refs were upset with him. What happened was, if you didn't watch the game, uh, Mitch Marner went to the box for tripping. Um, I can't remember the player that he tripped, but anyway, he didn't trip him. It, the stick wasn't even close to the guy's foot. Mm-hmm. He goes to the ground. Mitch, uh, Mitch Marner, Sheldon Keefe wasn't happy about it. He let the refs know. The refs eventually said, all right, screw you, you're done, and gave him a game misconduct. So my question to you is, uh, deserved that he should have been ejected, or is it a bit much from the refs? Look, I think it was a bit much. I agree it wasn't a penalty. I think Steven Sakata just fell on his own. Warner didn't really touch him. Yeah. Uh, Bertuzzi said the too. same thing. But look, at that point, the game's over, bro. Just just whatever. It's fine. The game's not over. The it game w- is not over. I mean, that that came after the Reeves goal, so it was 4-2. It did, but look, it was what, it was what two minutes left in the game or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the chances are very, very minimal, right? And I think, look. If that's a playoff game, right, and I and say it's a one goal game, and you do that, and you get a game misconduct, you put your team, you hurt your team, right? And look, refs remember this stuff. Refs always refs talk. It's a fraternity. It's a brotherhood. They protect one another. All of that stuff. When you get a bad reputation with the refs, it's hard to shake, right? Which means that the refs are going to be looking out to give you more penalties. They're going to want to hurt your team because you are showing up an embarrassing one of their own. So, and I know people think, oh, that doesn't matter. That's not a true thing. Oh, those things matter. It, it's a real thing, right? It's a real thing. It matters. And look, as much as I love Sheldon Keefe's passion, I love that he's calling his players out. He's showing some fire and some bite in the media. I love that, right? You have to be smart with it. You have to be calculated with it. You have to know when the right place and right time is, right? That was not... That it's a regular season game in, in February, early March, whatever. It's fine, right? But come April, come May, come the end of March, where games really, really matter and seeding matters, and you're in the middle of a series, you can't be doing that type of stuff. You have to know how to keep your emotions in check, and that's the difference between winning teams, good teams, and losing teams is being able to put your emotions in check and use 
and figure out when's the right time to show emotion. Excuse me, not just blow up at any whim, right? That's just that's Keith though. That um, is. So he already has issues with Wes McCauley. Yes, Garrett Rank well is another one. So he's, he's got two. So two two referees have him on the bullseye, on the the bullseye, the dartboard <laughs> on the bullseye. So let me ask you this though. I mentioned this in the first segment, but the Leafs are bottom six in the NHL mm. when it comes to power play opportunities. Like you have teams like the Sabers and the Blackhawks yeah. and the Jets. Uh, you know, ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs. What do you make of that? Do you think refs are against no, the Leafs? No, because that's the narrative I, that's being put out there. Yeah, because by it's, by, it's, by a certain part of the fan base, yeah, not all the fan base. But what is the fan short for? Fanatic, right? They don't think straight. They don't use the common sense or logic. They think you see oh, this one. On. You see not this all one. Fans are like that. You see, I'm not saying all fans are. I'm saying, but you see this one stat. Like, oh my God, the Leafs are the whole world's against us. It's ah, a pretty glaring stat, though. It it's is. been like this for the past but, few seasons. Watch the how the Leafs play, right? Do they pl- like also? You have to look at the way they play. Do they play a, a north-south game? Do they play a game that induces a lot of guys to call penalties? They're not the fastest team in the NHL. They're pretty fast. They're not the fastest team in the NHL. Yeah, right? I don't. I don't know if the style of I play th- matters. I think it does matter. I think when you look at the when you look at the way you play games and the way you the way you you cater your game, if you play with speed and stuff like that, and you play a fast, not everyone has to be a, a, the fastest skater, but if you play fast, right, that. It, Causes guys to get caught off balance, causes them to you know hold check. Then when you, if you cycle the puck a lot, you know you're in the boards, causes for holding and stuff like that as well. It's it's kind of the style of play you uh, the style of play that you play. Excuse me. Also does cater to the fact that how you know teams would defend you, and if mm-hmm. they need to you know call penalties, and then they will, right? Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I don't think this needs to be talked about even more. He's ejected. He's not obviously going to get suspended or fined. So strange, though, seeing a coach get ejected in the NHL. Because you think baseball, I mean, it doesn't even happen in the NBA. Let's see here. I'm looking, look, here it is happening so in I'm the looking, NHL. I'm looking at the, t- the teams with the most power plays per game. Colorado. Detroit. Has most, most power play opportunities. Most power play opportunities per game. Oh, per right? game. So you got Detroit at 3.61, so about almost four power plays a yeah. game, which is crazy. Then you got Colorado, Minnesota, Ottawa, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Florida, Vegas, Montreal, Vancouver, right? So, I mean, is it really, like, is it really that glaring of a stat? Like, there's some pretty garbage teams that have the most power play opportunities. As well, I mean, a right? lot of it has to do with puck possession, it right? It does. It does. Like, look it at the does. bottom of the list. You got San Jose, Washington. The Kraken are there. Columbus. Those are teams that don't have much of the puck. Edmonton's so under- down there too. But you understand why they're not getting as many power play opportunities. Listen, we can probably talk about this to a blue in the face. I don't yeah. know if there's a what the real answer is. Maybe we need to analyze the games a little bit closer in terms of maybe how they play, how referees look at these, these Leaf mm-hmm. players. I'm not sure. But it, it's definitely been a trend over the past few seasons. And what's been a trend for the Toronto Maple Leafs, at least this season for sure, is that Morgan Riley and TJ Brody Oof. have been a horrible pairing again. Um, throughout the entire season. And I don't think they should be together anymore. Not because Riley's bad, not because Brody is bad, is because neither of them can play as well as they do individually on their offside. On their natural side, they're both really good. Riley played on his offside with Brody, and it just didn't work. They both were a dash four at the end of the night. They were both, you know, clearly, <laughs> clearly <laughs> puck watching when Barbashev had that breakaway. And so I think what last night did was emphasize the fact that Bradtree Living has to go out there and get a right shot D-man to play with Morgan Riley. And it doesn't have to be, we've talked, doesn't have to be the best defenseman in the world. Can be a Labushkin. Can be someone just as simple as that. Just someone to play on that side. Like Simon Benoit had a bit of a cameo with Morgan Riley, mm-hmm. and I liked it. I've called for that before, but you're getting Benoit on his offside. But what I found interesting was at practice, he was, Simon Benoit was asked about playing with Riley. He goes, it's great. He goes, I know my role. All I got to do is sit back 
let him do his thing. And that's what needs to be beside Riley because you put Brody on the other side or Riley on the other side of Brody. It's just not working, clearly. And most teams, most top lines in the NHL are going to take advantage of that pairing. It's time to, to shake that up. Why do you think Sean Walker is like one of the hottest commodities on the trade market right now because he's a right shot defenseman. What that's the hell happened to right shot defenseman in the NHL? It's like there's only five of them. It I, feels that's like that's why it's such a such a huge commodity in the NHL. If you need a right shot defenseman, uh, Chris Tanev, you know you see these guys that it just it makes the game so much easier, Albert. Like you see how and TJ Brody talked about it. It was after the. Colorado game or was it the Vegas game one of the games last week where he said after the game he's like it just makes the game so much simpler especially in like the um, the neutral zone and stuff like that it just it, receiving pucks passing yeah, pucks of off it just makes the game so much simpler and easier and you're seeing it's hard right it's hard and look we've seen individually Riley play really well and Brody played really well on opposite pairs right we've seen that this year there's footage there's tape there's records of that but together it just doesn't work but again it goes back to the depth the lack of depth where the Leafs last night had to trot out Mark Giordano and William Legison and have six left shot defensemen play last night um that is again you don't need three and three three equal shots but you need at least two well, they have two. They they have Lilgren and Connor Timmins, who's still out but, with mono. Exactly. So again, but again, like you mentioned, Lilgren and Timmins are those two day to day NHL right shot defensemen. Yeah, they can be, but I think what I get what you're saying, what they need is someone more of stay at home guy, stabilizer, right? They need a Simone Benoit on the right side. Yes, they essentially. Do. And they need a Luke Shen on the right side. And that's why again. Somebody like Sean Walker is going to probably demand a second round pick, maybe hell even a first round pick from some teams. You can't be giving I, up first round pick for Sean Walker. Right, but that's what the market might dictate, though, yeah. because again, right shot seems de- like too there's much. such a valuable commodity, right shot yeah. defenseman, right? Like that's just what the market will dictate his price will be. Um, let me ask you this: hypothetically, they say they get Sean Walker for something. It doesn't have to be a first round pick, but something, right? You put him on that first pair with Morgan Riley, right? Then you could drop down and have Brody and Lilgren once again, and then Benoit McCabe. and McCabe. That right there, does that not make your defense? astronomically better but that's what i was saying way before. More you told me no we had this conversation i said you, you give riley a right shot d man whether it's dumba labushkin but they're Luke not okay. or anybody it, it forces everyone to get pushed down a bit it I puts everyone in a good position that. i told you i said these are the pairings yeah. this is how much better it would look you're like ah it's still not enough i don't know it's not enough to win the stanley and cup. now it's astronomically it's better. not enough Come to win up, it's Cooney, not yo. enough to win the stanley cup but it's I'm astronomically not talking about better. the stanley cup it makes them so it's much astronomically better. better than what it, it is right now. It makes everybody's job so much it easier. Is. And this is something Riley talked about after the game. Mm-hmm. He was saying it's it's obviously difficult in the defensive zone when you're playing on your offside because most times you're on your backhand, you have to exactly. turn around. But it has its benefits in the offensive zone. It does. So you have to really know how to play on that side. One guy I think who's done it well for pretty much the entire season, I'll give him props, is Jake McCain. Mm-hmm. He's done it all season. He's hey. been pretty good at it. But it's not it's not what you want. But with limited right-handed D-man out there. You got to put these guys in in these positions. Hey, look, I, I Round peg, square hole, as they say. I agree. You know, when you play on the um, offside, on the offside, you know, it helps you out in the offensive zone where you know the pucks in the middle of the ice. And mm-hmm. you can, but I would still prefer to play on my natural side, even because most defensemen, most defensemen, because you know why? You 
you prioritize the defensive zone and the neutral zone to get the puck up the ice, and that just makes the game so much easier. I mean, right? uh, Brody's been so much better. Watching him yesterday, mm. he gets everything on his forehand. He's comfortable. He's not making bad decisions. Yeah. It, it's really changed his game. It's, it has. It's so clear. Like, it's obvious. This is what we have to mm. do. So, Trilivi, go out and get a right shot D <laughs> for your boys on the blue line. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about this fourth line. I owe Ryan Reeves a massive apology. I think they found something with this fourth line. And also, Ilya Samsonov. I'm not sure what to make of his game last night. He's been really good, but was last night uh, some somewhat of a, a situation where we're looking at Ilya Samsonov, maybe he needs some rest. All right, last week when the Leafs beat the Vegas Golden Knights yes. in Las Vegas, after the game, Bruce Cassidy was asked about the Toronto Maple Leafs and specifically their, their bottom six. He said the bottom of, the, of their lineup was great. Their fourth line had us hemmed in all night. And I thought last night against Vegas in Toronto that the fourth line had another good game. There was multiple times where they hemmed in the Vegas Golden Knights once again. They were creating so many chances. Ryan Reeves had a bunch of chances. Um, they've Keefe has found something with Reeves, Kampf, and Holmberg. They've played four games together, and they've outscored their opponents three zip. That's pretty impressive for a fourth line, considering Justin Pooney, especially on this podcast, we rode off Ryan Reeves. We did. We uh, said that he should probably never play again. Who knows if he's going to get in the lineup. No, never play again for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, we, 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 that, we did float that, right? Well, I mean, if he doesn't play for the Toronto Maple Leafs again, was he really going to play anywhere else ever again? But look, credit to Ryan Reeves. Ever since he's credit come back him. from injury, dude, he's yeah. been playing pretty well. He he's deserved to be in the lineup. He's scoring goals offensively. He hasn't fought yet, but I mean, like we'll see on Saturday. Oh, Rempy Reeves is happening 100. Okay, well, I wanted. To talk I guarantee to, it. Is that going to be for the heavyweight title of the NHL? Who knows who has a heavyweight title? But those are two heavyweights, and if you're looking at the prominent heavyweights in the league. Reeves is right there. Now, what happens if Reeves does not challenge him to a fight on Saturday? What's the outcome after that? What are you What are you saying? I after don't know. That? Nothing. Probably nothing. But it's going to happen. Hockey Night in Canada. The Rangers in Toronto. Rempy comes into the league. What he's played five or six games. And everyone yeah. knows his name. So it's happening. Well, they're night. calling him like a, it's like a Lynn Sanity type run he has in New York right now, the way this guy's taken over. I the guarantee NHL. it's going to happen, and I can't wait to watch I it. I will say this, though. The last thing on Rempe is this all the people saying, oh, he shouldn't be fighting this much. It's fine, it's part of the game. Right, like uh, there was a photo of him on on Twitter yesterday with a black eye at practice. Banged up. That's what happens when you drop the gloves. Yes, does he need to fight every game? No, but. This is if this is what keeps him in the league, then why not? Exactly. Right. I, I'm fine. I, I'm totally never going to judge someone for um, for how they make a living. And look, he's figured out that he needs to come into this league and do that, and he's going to do it. Is he going to be able to fight the way he fights all the time? Like Olivier was feeding him shots yeah, every yeah, time no. he fights. He he's getting fed too. Yeah, he hasn't been. So like... there needs to be something there. I mean, I, I spent some time with uh, George Laroque in Montreal, and we actually got to yeah. talk about fighting. And how much is actually involved in terms of technique? Mm -hmm. I think maybe someone needs to go over there, maybe like a George Rock. Yeah. And just spend some time with him, teach him how to fight. In the offseason, exactly. The Rock. But yeah, it's it's good for the game. The Rock was the type of guy like that who would teach people in Pittsburgh when he was in Pittsburgh how to fight because there there actually is a science to it. And look, you're talking about a guy like Rempe, right? What has Ryan Reeves done his whole career? That's how he's got such a long career. He's been a good locker room guy. He's been a guy that's been stood up for his teammates. He's a guy that's been willing to drop the gloves. But also, he's been able to chip in offensively. Not a whole lot, but enough to stay in the NHL. Well, and right? the confidence he brings his, his exactly. team. Scotty yeah. Upshaw said, he goes, when I was on a line with this guy, mm-hmm. he goes, I could do whatever I want on the ice. Because I have the toughest, the baddest SOB that, dude, in the NHL Dude, you can say what line, you want right? about fighting and enforcers. That matters a lot. Absolutely, it does. And you're seeing just... 
I'm glad, and I, I've always said, I've always loved, would love to have a guy like Ryan Reeves on my team because he's a good guy in the locker room. Everybody likes him. Yes, he's balanced from, but everywhere you go, he's never a distraction. He stands up for his teammates. He plays hard. Um, and he does take, because he's got such a big personality, he does take some of the limelight away from everybody else where, you know, other fourth liners or bottom six guys could just play their game and don't have to worry about the extracurricular stuff as well. Um, and credit to him. Because, again, his knees are shot, but he's still playing. He's skating. He could have had two goals last night. He was flying. He was last flying night. last night, right? Um, and I think that right there is a big um, a big key, a big uh, positive. It is showing that, you know, maybe Brad Schilling was you know, still crazy for giving him a three-year deal. But, you know, maybe, you know, signing him wasn't a bad idea, right? Um, so, credit to Ryan Reeves. Yeah, I got to apologize, Ryan Reeves, because I, I put out a TikTok after he came out and did that interview uh, while he was scratched. Guy. He was healthy. He was talking about his knees. Yeah, his knees are completely jacked up. He, yeah, he was saying how his, his knees were kind of popping out of place. So I'm like, what? Why would you sign a guy that's what 35 years old with serious knee issues? And prior to coming back into the lineup, mm-hmm. where it was, I think in the Winnipeg game in Winnipeg, where he his hometown that, that beauty tip yeah. off the Noah Gregor shot. Prior to that, he wasn't great at all. He was he was one of the worst players in the league. Honestly, statistically, he mm-hmm. was. And he's changed it around. He's got two goals. Well, he's a plus two since coming back just before the All-Star break. And he's added so much to that fourth line. Let me say it again. I mean, they've they've played four games together, and they've outscored their opponents every single time. So, I mean, that's that, that's something that goes a long way. You need all four of your lines humming. And that fourth line not only has been a good fourth line, Justin, but one of their best lines, you know, especially during this streak. You know Ryan Reeves? Take, take a guess how many paddling minutes Ryan Reeves has this season. Uh, okay, well, he played he's, 31 games. Well, yeah, two scraps. So there's 10 there. Uh, 16? 24. 24. Yeah, like, I didn't think that many. Uh, yeah. Well, th- think about it. I mean, he's only had two scraps. He yeah. gets eight minutes ice time. Yeah. Right? He's, and that's that's actually a compliment to him. That he's is. Because he's, he's not, again, he's not the fastest guy. He's a he's an older guy. Yeah. But he's not, you know, costing his team with, with stupid penalties and stuff like no. that. Right? So, that's a credit to Ryan Reeves. Now, I do want to see him drop Yeah, props to Ryan Reeves. Props I do want to see Ryan Holmberg. Reeves. Make hockey violent again. Saturday night. Oh. The spotlight's going to be on you, man. You got to do it. Rampy you got to answer the call, Ryan Reeves. It's good. Oh, dude, he's going to answer it. He might, he might be the one calling. Is it going to be, be like a Ty Domi-Bob Probert fight? It'll be a good scrap. Okay. It'll be a good scrap. Um, credit to, by the way, Matt Martin. I don't know if you heard this, but he came out after the fact and said he's the one who went up to Rempe and said, hey, you want to go? Like kind of give the guy his shine. So credit to, yeah. to Matt Martin, class act. Okay, finally, what did you make of Samsonov's game? So his last 10 games, mm-hmm. uh, I should mention, he's 8-2-0 with a goals against of 2.59 and save percentage of uh, just – just over 900 so he's been really good one of the best goalies in the league Mm -hmm. but last night obviously he let in six not all his fault we just mentioned it so many defensive breakdowns Mm -hmm. where you're kind of leaving Samsonov out to dry I didn't think it was his best game but I also don't think it was his worst either yeah no it it wasn't um again we talked about it like the defensive breakdowns like you can't the breakaway it's 50 50 chance like and he went the right way. Just Barbashev made a nice move, opened up the five hole and slid it in. Yeah. Uh, the Morelli goal, nobody was around him. The Carlson goal. Right in the slot. What, yeah, I mean, would I have liked to seen a save there? Yes, but it was an uncontested shot, so you can't really blame him on High that. High percentage shot, it's point blank. Exactly, Cooney. exactly. I mean, um, I believe, though, that maybe it's, you know, maybe Thursday you give Martin Jones a go. 
Or hell, you give Joseph Wall a go. Yeah, that'll right? be interesting. Just, you know, I think give Samsonov a couple days off. Give him a break because you know that Saturday night game against the Rangers, a team you might play in the first round of the playoffs, is going to be a very big game. Um, give him a couple days just to maybe just don't come to the rink a couple days. Spend time with the family. Get some rest. Come back in on Thursday or Friday. Get some work in and be ready. Just like a nice little quick reset. This is a guy who, again, was not, didn't play for a very long stretch of period of time and then jumped back in kind of slowly and then, Took the ball and has now been the number one for the last little while, right? Just maybe a little pause again, a little break to get back to the fundamentals work. Just even, not even that, none of that really. Just rest. Yeah. Just rest. I, I'll say, listen, I think the score could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for him as well. Yeah. One thing I, I jotted down in terms of my notes while watching the game was rebound control. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bit crazy last night. He it didn't was. have too much control over a lot of those shots. But you got to give props to Samsonov, mm-hmm. man. Eight and two in his last 10, one of the best goalies uh, in the entire NHL. Quick shout out to uh, Simon Benoit. Yeah. I feel like I need to shout him out every single time. He just plays a simple game, and he had what two, three chances. He did clear cut chances. Yeah. I'm watching that. If if that's somebody else, the Leafs are probably up by a goal or two. <laughs> but Benoit continually putting himself in good positions, throwing big hits like he did mm-hmm. last night. Simple plays up the glass, good passes into the neutral zone. I mean, this is just what a bonus this was for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Bradley Living. He's he brought him in, and it's working out. Oh, for he's going to get a nice raise in the offseason as well. He deserves it. I think he'll probably get you know a couple multi-year deal. Would not surprise me, a two, three-year deal. Benoit for Norris, that's what I'm okay, saying. Okay, relax. And quick shout-out to at least PK. Went 4-0. Pretty yeah. good. It's been a bad PK all season. I think they're 25th in the league, mm-hmm. and they went 4-zip against the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Without Stone and Eichel, I will say, but still, um, they killed penalties when they needed to. Okay, let's get to uh, the best segment in the history of podcasting history, Justin Pooney. It's time for Burton Pooney's Bankroll Booster, powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. All right. The Yotes are in town. Justin Pooney at the Scotiabank Arena. They're 7-1 and one since turning from Phoenix to Arizona at Scotiabank. That stat is incredible. What do you like in this game? What are we betting? Well, we haven't talked about Austin Matthews at all this podcast. Uh, he hasn't scored in the last two games, which sound the alarms. He hasn't scored in two games, Slump. but he's still on pace to score 74 goals. But Austin Matthews finds the score sheet once again, uh, breaking his two-game goalless streak. Uh, he will score uh, tomorrow against the Arizona Coyotes, and that's all I got. I don't – I think you mentioned 7-1-2 or whatever. Uh, kind of scares me. I do – the over might be something to look at, but I'm just going to play it safe. Matthews to score, and that's it. Yeah, you got to pay a little bit of juice of Matthews, but yeah. the juice is worth the squeeze. The juice Justin is on Cooney. the loose. I like the Leafs' money line. I think they bounce back, plus the over 6.5. The Leafs' Western record, or record against Western Conference teams, 22-5-2. That's one of the best marks in the NHL. And they've also won 10 of their last 11. They're playing pretty good hockey. And I like the over because the over has hit six mm-hmm. of the Leafs' last seven games. Also, listen, the goalies for the Coyotes having big issues. Ingram hasn't won in about a month. Vemelka? Is it sure. Vemelka? I mean, I'm the worst with last name. All right, Vemelka. He's winless. He's winless in 2024. These guys give up over four goals per game. So Leafs' money line plus the over six and a half is my play. Pooney's going with Matthews' goal anytime. We're going to hit both of these, so make sure you tail. And this has been Burton Pooney's Bankroll Booster, powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. That's it from us here at Home Stand Leafs. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, we drop new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can find us anywhere you download your podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Five stars, please. That will make Justin a very happy man. Also, 
If you want to send in a question, either through an email or voice message, send them to Leafs at homestandsports.com. We'll read your questions, concerns, or insults on our Friday episodes. The email, again, is leafs at homestandsports.com. For Justin Pooney, I'm Albert Vartanian, and this has been Homestand Leafs.